As a history teacher, do I find jokes about the Civil War funny? Not General Lee. Hey y'all, this is Wesley Glosson, and I am here for another episode of Teach This Teacher podcast, because teachers need teaching. And today, we are going to look very closely at Class Dojo. If you're a teacher, you've probably heard of this app, this program that helps teachers manage their classrooms and to increase their positive behaviors. So we're going to talk today about what is Class Dojo. More specifically, what is PBIS? They are not the same as you will hear several times in this episode. And we have JT or Mr. K who is from Class Dojo to tell us about how Class Dojo helps to enhance your PBIS. It's going to be a good one. We're so glad you're here. So this week, we are going to dissect a study that was done by the Texas Journal of Literacy Education. And the researchers are Marianne Ciccarelli, Susan Sabato, and Susan Williams. Their study is called Using Class Dojo to Help with Classroom Management During the Pandemic. So I've read the research, so you don't have to save you a little bit of time. And I'm also going to mix in my personal thoughts and experiences with this. So basically, what these researchers did was to understand how Class Dojo would help with guided reading. They tested it out on a classroom. So we all know that guided reading is when a teacher is working in a small group with her students. And a lot of times that opens up a situation where students are self-managing themselves because the teacher's occupied and she might only be with five students or less in the rest of the classroom. They're busy in their centers or at their desks doing independent work. And a lot of classroom management issues might come up during this time. And if that teacher is constantly interrupted, that guided reading group is not going as planned. So it doesn't have to be guided reading um, that we're working with. It can be anything that the teacher is doing and doesn't have their full attention on managing that classroom. And even if the teacher, it is whole group, the teacher doesn't want to have to stop every 10 seconds to redirect someone. So how can Class Dojo help with that? So basically, what this research found is that Class Dojo was very successful. I'm going to go ahead and give you the data. They only did one first grade classroom, so that's a limitation to this study, and they only did a few months. But here's what they found in a few months. From January to February, so right after kids came back from that Christmas break, there were 67 positive behaviors and 135 negative behaviors within a four-week span that was recorded on Class Dojo. So the first four weeks, as recorded on Class Dojo, there were 67 positive behaviors and 135 negative behaviors. From February 11th to March 10th, so the next four weeks, the positive behaviors had more than double, well, almost double, 67. It now increased to 147 positive behaviors. And the negative behaviors had decreased from 135 to 51. So it was cut more than half, those negative behaviors. So according to this analysis, this test Class Dojo does work, and this was behaviors were recorded during guided reading in this first grade classroom. So how does Class Dojo work? Well, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because probably every classroom teacher already knows, everybody that's listening to this podcast, but for those that aren't teachers that are listening, 
Class Dojo is basically a free, a free software. Get that. Not many things in life are free, but Class Dojo truly and really is. It's not one of those things that lure you in and then later on starts having you pay a subscription or nor does it have those annoying ads on the side. It truly is a free software that you can download for your class. And basically every student has an avatar and they can change their avatar to their liking. They can earn points for their avatar. And so usually, just like this class, when they introduce Class Dojo, the teacher sets aside 10 minutes or so to let everybody set up their avatar the way they want it. And then they can start earning points for their avatar. So I love what this article suggested, this study suggested, is that you, as part of PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention Support, you don't just set up what are the good behaviors in your classroom and what are the negative behaviors, but you do it with your class. So go into Class Dojo and you can set up, do we want our positive behaviors to be raising our hand before we speak, showing respect to others, keeping our classroom neat and tidy? Or do we want our positive behaviors to be arriving to class on time? Maybe you're having an issue in that. So you can set what your positive behaviors are and your negative behaviors. But you create that with your class because your class usually knows what they need to get better at and what they already do well anyways. And so they feel like they're a part of the community that created their rules and their procedures and their positive environment. So a wonderful idea to set that with your students. So we already see student buy-in. We've already talked about how the students create their own avatar. We already talked about how the students help you create the positive and negative behaviors. Now let's talk about what the software does. So the software itself, when you see a student, for example, raising their hand, you can go and give them a point. And if you have this set up with your smart board, the whole classroom hears a ding and they all look to see who just received a positive point. So this article also suggests it to increase student buy-in. You tie those points to something, I guess, if you will, more tangible. So when you get 20 points, you get a free homework pass. When you get 50 points, you get a movie in the classroom. And then it also said that you can have whole class awards. When we as a class get 200 points, we're going to have extra recess. So we're going to talk to JT again later about ideas that he's heard people use to enhance Class Dojo, because as teachers, we know that we can take anything and enhance it to make it better. And so we're going to talk to him about that, how to do that and how to make this program and this idea acceptable to older students as well, because that's one of the issues I always had in the classroom is that it really wasn't seemingly fitting for eighth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade and, and so on. But maybe there are some ideas that he has that can make it appropriate. So we're in the age of technology. Let's just face it. So this is a new technological tool, as the study points out, that helps us to manage our classroom. Students are very familiar with technology. They're very connected with technology. And Class Dojo helps that positive behavior intervention support. So one more thing I'm going to point out in this study is it says three things. And this is from a research from 2008. I think the researcher is named Reicher. What they point out is that three things are strategies to develop a risk-free environment in your classroom. Those three things are one, discipline, number two, classroom management, and number three, engagement strategies. And it was really neat for me to see that written out because that is my exact philosophy to have a positive behavior or a positive learning environment. You have to have discipline. And too many times I feel like I hear people trying to take away discipline. 
You do have to have discipline, which isn't always a negative reaction. Discipline is just being in control. You know, you have to have those support, those guardrails. What happens when we do this? Discipline. The second is classroom management. And so how is this classroom going to be managed from day to day? What are students responsible for? What am I as a teacher responsible for? So that's classroom management. And then engagement. That's the third thing. You can have those first two things in place, discipline and classroom management. But if you don't have engaging lessons, forget it. Forget it. Things are going to fall off a cliff. And so I loved seeing that written down in black and white. Somebody else has already come up with my philosophy, of course. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to read the sentence verbatim. Discipline, classroom management, and engagement strategies are critical in developing a risk-free environment where students are engaged in learning. All right. I know I said that was the last thing I was going to say, but there's one more. Teachers use proactive behavior management strategies to create a positive learning environment, whereas reactive punitive strategies may exacerbate behavior problems. And that is by researchers Barton, Arwood, Morrow, Lane, and Joel Vallette from a 2005 study. And I think that is such an important point that when we have reactive policies in place, when you do this, I will do this. And we're going to talk to JT in just a second about that how we grew up, it was all about when you do negative things, you flip a card or you change a color. But what do we have set up to reinforce those positive behaviors? What do we have as proactive behavior management strategies? So very, very epic point that this research points out. Several researchers point out that you can have a proactive classroom management system or you can have a reactive when things go wrong. And As with life, proactiveness is always more effective than reactive strategies. It is, of course, a new year. And we would like for you in this new year to go on over to teachthisteacher.com to get some answers to the questions and the problems that you've had for so long in the classroom. You can read our very informative blog to find solutions. You can also take a course now offered on our website, a professional development course that you've always wanted, or you can contribute to our website by becoming a teacher or writing a blog. It's all there. This is a website where teachers can get and find answers and also give answers for others. Check out our website and stay tuned all the way to the end of the show because I am also going to tell you ways that you can interact with Teach This Teacher podcast. We have questions. We want your questions. We have a new email and we want some interaction to hear from as many teachers as possible. Stay tuned to the end, everyone. And now we are joined by an actual ambassador for Class Dojo. He goes by JT, and I am super excited to have you here, JT. It's kind of a surprise. So I just emailed your company and said, hey, would anybody like to do this? And almost immediately, you guys responded. So I'm very thankful for that. Thanks for being here. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me, Wesley. I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Very good. Very good. So we're going to jump right in here. We try to respect all of our guests' time, and so we'll just jump right in. So buzzwords, buzzwords, buzzwords. We know that education is filled with buzzwords and acronyms, and people think we're speaking a different language. One of those acronyms that have become incredibly popular in the last, I would say, decade 
is PBIS, which stands for Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports. I got supports. That's what I thought. Okay. I was going to say that. So can you describe what PBIS is for a non-educator? But honestly, JT, you probably need to describe this for those of us that are in education because I think it's been turned into so many different things. So what is your understanding? Um, if you were talking to a layman who never heard of PBIS, how would you describe what it is? Yeah. So PBIS, as you said, is Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports. We just call it PBIS because it's so much easier to say the acronym than that mouthful. But basically, PBIS is a behavior management tool that we use as a framework that allows teachers to have more of a positive reinforcement in their classroom. Mm -hmm. If you ever remember those days of breaking a small rule or one of the rules in the classroom and being shamed about breaking the rule because you had to move down your clip or change your color on the chart. And then everyone knew, oh, you had a red day today. Mm -hmm. It's kind of going away from public shaming or public humiliation and going towards more focusing on the positive, focusing Mm -hmm. on praising children, students for doing something positive, or even yourself as an educator, being the positive model, showing students this is the way that we do things, walk them through the procedures that you want them to have and to exhibit in your classroom. It's triggering to hear you say that because I remember kindergarten having a red day. <laughs> so you, you sent me all the way back to kindergarten for a second. So Didn't we all have a red day. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. And I think that that's important for all of us to remember. And so we all know that PBIS too, we would encourage a teacher to start over the next day. Because like you said, we do all have those red days or bad weeks even. And so it is that opportunity to also start over that next day. All right. So got it. PBIS is a system that has educators to focus on the positive interventions and the positive aspects of behavior. So one of the recent innovations is Class Dojo, and there's probably other programs, companies out there, but you guys are incredibly popular. I've worked in two different systems and in several different buildings, and everyone has been using Class Dojo to one extent or the other. Sometimes it's school-wide. Sometimes it was just an individual teacher using it. So tell our listeners, how does Class Dojo, how does it play a part in PBIS? Because one thing that we noticed is that people start thinking, oh, I do PBIS because I use Class Dojo. And as it's been (laughs) said, Class Dojo is not PBIS. The two things go together, but they're not the same. So tell us how Class Dojo plays a part in that PBIS system. Yeah, that's a really big misconception that people have about Class Dojo and PBIS is They think it's one, they are the same, but I like to say that they're the perfect pair. There are these two different tools that are nicely meshed together. And Class Dojo is the way for you to enhance PBIS in your classroom. People think that they are using Class Dojo, it is PBIS, which is true, but it's how you are using Class Dojo that aligns it to PBIS. For example, every student on Class Dojo has an avatar. And that avatar can earn points for exhibiting positive behaviors. Now, there are some teachers that when a student is exhibiting undesirable behaviors, they take away the points. And so in PBIS, we really are focusing on the positive. As you said, Wesley, we all want to start fresh, you know, and I, before having PBIS, thought that I was doing class dojo and PBIS, and I was getting in these negative wars with students. I'm going to take away all your points. Now you're a negative 25. 
And then you're never allowing that student to start fresh, you know, the next day. And so yeah, the, the beautiful thing of Class Dojo is that there is a neutral, a zero. So let's say that a student is exhibiting undesirable behaviors, they're calling out when they're not supposed to, they have incomplete homework assignments, you can set a needs improvement on class dojo to a zero. Mm-hmm. And then it allows the student and the parent to know yeah. that this is a behavior that they need to improve on or need to work on. Yeah. And then as a teacher, you're able to track the days and even the times of when those behaviors were exhibited. Exactly. And maybe you can dig a little deeper with your PBIS team or with your administration or your committees to see if there is a trend that's happening to maybe possibly help the student. That's a good point. And I'm going to just, and I'll see what you think about this. I am conflicted with should negative behaviors earn you a negative where it actually takes away or should it be neutral? And here's my argument. I get, first of all, that taking away points from some students is more triggering and then they go even more wild (laughs) or they just get really discouraged and they just like, I don't care. And it's it's just a whole downhill from there. But my issue with not having the negative is this is how I compare it to, I don't want to say the real world because our students already are in the real world, but for lack of better term, I'll say real world. If I go down the road driving, you know, 90 miles an hour and 45, they're not just going to pull me over and say, okay, this is a neutral. <laughs> Sometimes they do warnings, but usually it's going to be a penalty of fine high. And so I don't know, maybe you've heard different theories on this, but I feel like we're setting our students up for failure if that negative isn't there. If it's always just neutral, it's just neutral. So what do you think about that? I'm just going to throw that out there. And I don't know if there's an answer per se for it, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I have been in a classroom where if a child knew that they were getting a point taken away, that it would be traumatizing to the child. Like they wouldn't be able to recuperate for the rest of the day because they lost a point. And so based on your individual school or even in your classroom, you can set up your own consequences to go along with those neutral points. In my own classroom, I have a cool down zone where there are some think sheets and it asks the child questions of how are you feeling right now? Maybe you're angry. Why are you here? What are ways that you can do better the next time? And then after they're able to cool down with a stuffed animal or listen to nice calming music through headphones, then I will go over and have a a conversation with the student Mm -hmm. and go through those open-ended questions to find out the reasoning behind what was happening. Right. I do agree that there are consequences in the real world, but you know, if you do get pulled over and you're speeding, the police officer says, what's going on? Is there an emergency? They want to get your side of the conversation to see, oh, I need, you're rushing to the hospital. You have, your leg is bleeding. Let's get you rushing there. So I think it has this dialogue. Yeah. And then if it's a repeated offense, that's when you can incorporate having, you know, maybe the school counselor come in and talk to the child, have a child study team. Maybe there's something more going on with the child that maybe they don't feel comfortable talking to you and then tracking that behavior over time. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I am learning a lot and you're totally correct. And I think it's based on each teacher's personality because I wasn't so much giving the neutral point, but I was having that conversation before I ever took away a negative. Whereas some teachers are just like negative, 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 negative. And it's like, you're not doing anything but making the situation worse. So I think I was doing what you're saying. I just didn't have that button set at zero. I think we used it 
for things that weren't really a issue, but we want the parents to know, like, didn't have your pencil and paper or whatever. And so we used the neutral button for that, where we didn't really want to dock points, but we did want the parent to know, hey, they're consistently coming. So perfect. Good points. All right. I'm going to move on to our next question. I hear this a lot of times. What is your answer for this? People say, I just don't have time for it. It's usually, sorry to any of our older teachers that are listening, but it's usually to our teachers that aren't used to carrying around an iPad and doing this. What are your suggestions for people that say, I don't have time for that? Yeah, with anything, especially going through the pandemic and everything turning virtually, I was part of that group (laughs) where I was like, you know, I don't have time for this. You know, I'm reinventing the wheel here. It's like I'm going back to undergrad and becoming a teacher again, I understand it it can be daunting. And the reason why Class Dojo is so awesome is because of the community that we have behind each school has a mentor or even two mentors that are able to answer any questions. They're able to possibly give professional developments and always reach out to Class Dojo at hello at classdojo.com. And you can always ask a question. And I think the best way is how you set up for your school. So if you're an administrator, hyping it up for your school, saying that this is a great way to streamline our behavior concerns, or this is a great way to streamline our communication as the messages can automatically get translated into multiple languages. Mm -hmm. It is daunting at first, just like how you're trying to learn how to swim or learning how to ride a bike. But once you are using it, it just becomes second nature. And you're able to really see a change not only in your classroom, but also a change in yourself because you're able to use this tool that is so revolutionary for so many teachers in classrooms. I agree. So what I hear you saying is it might take more time initially to get used to the program, but it actually ends up saving time. So it's your automatic communication with parents instead of having to make that phone call like my teacher used to do at the end of the day and say, we're having a problem with talking or getting out of our desk. It's immediate. And so you're saving time there. You're also saving time with RTI when you need to track uh, whatever you're tracking, disruptions or whatever. You can just pull the report um, whenever you're having that RTI meeting to see how is the student doing with disruption. So that is a good point that I wouldn't have thought of, but it actually initially takes more time. But at the end, it's saving time. So good point. And also, I'll just throw this in there. I know some teachers that they didn't always want to be having their cell phone out or their iPad out. So they would just keep a little tally chart. And then at the end of the day, they would go and put all the points in or or whatever. So there's another time-saving tip. Another issue that I think I've heard is that it's only for elementary level students. Once you get above fifth grade, it's kind of to, to use the student's words, babyish. What is your reply to that? Is that Do you guys find that to be true or do you only suggest it for fifth grade and under or how do you guys see that? Class Dojo has been used successfully in preschool, even younger than preschool, like toddlers, all the way up to 12th grade. Mm. And I think the great way is that Class Dojo is very customizable. Yes, there are avatars that look like monsters when you sign up with your students, but those avatars can be customizable. So Some middle school or even high school teachers, they put the different houses of Harry Potter. You know, they're each on a different team of the different houses. I think I'm a Hufflepuff. I think that's what I got. People (laughs) say I'm definitely not a Slytherin. (laughs) And it's just a great way to build that team together. 
Another great way for PBIS is having the children use their points to be able to cash them in for incentives. Yeah. And that can be from a toddler all the way up to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And you can have a choice board where it's like a menu and children are able and, you know, adolescents are able to choose the reward or the incentive that they want, Absolutely. whether it's in your classroom or if it's school wide as well. And customizing that to allow an older student have more leeway. Oh, you want to go have lunch with this teacher in, you know, the theater room or something that you might not do with the younger student, customizing it that way as well. And I think it's also how you are using it. If you're using it like it's quote unquote childish, then that's how the students are going to perceive it. But if it's graduating with the student every single year and it's evolving, just like our monsters evolve from an egg into, you know, a monster, it's a really great tool for students to have that buy in and for them to be able to transform themselves and their behavior. And then that ripple effect is shown throughout your classroom and even into the entire school. So what I'm hearing, first of all, is Class Dojo has made some improvements and updates because when I was in the classroom a couple years ago, there was no egg and hatching. (laughs) And I don't know if you could do anything but the monsters. So that's good to hear. And I knew that you guys would evolve as you heard that feedback. I know that was at least the feedback that I was hearing a couple few years ago is that this is is just won't work past school. I would say too, even I know this is a very minor thing, but even taking that sound off of there when it's in high school, like they don't need to hear. I don't even know if you guys still have the ding and the bong whenever <laughs> whenever you're gaining. But I would think that even taking that away might be more appropriate for high school. And I love the idea of making the incentive grade appropriate, right? So the program is appropriate for all grades. But like you said, or I, I think another high school appropriate incentive would be to you can use your cell phone for a day once you get to this or or whatever. And then for your younger students, lunch outside at the picnic table, whereas high schoolers already usually can eat outside on the picnic table. So I love that idea. Another thing I'll just throw in there is I taught middle school and it's crazy. You can teach fifth grade and parents are like involved and not involved in this. The child is only like three months older over the summer and parents are like hands off because they're in middle school now. And so I think that Class Dojo addresses that problem as well. It keeps those parents involved longer. Like you said, if you're using it in middle school and high school, it's getting that message to them because they're not going to ask as much. They're not going to be over at the school as much. They're not going to email as much as they get into middle school. I don't know. We need to name that. We need to name that like middle school parent syndrome or something. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Last question on Class Dojo specifically is you named some of them already like the choice boards. Have you heard of any other really great ideas that people pair with? Because as we said, PBIS is not Class Dojo. They're not one and the same. They complement each other. It's a part of it. So what have you heard at the school level, maybe? PBIS parties or even parents. Maybe parents have different elements that they add into it. What are some awesome ideas that you have that our listeners can maybe implement? Yeah, so to go along the point with making it more accessible and for parents to feel like they're more involved is the use of a class story, which is kind of like a Facebook feed for your own class. Right. And then there's a school story that's for the entire school. So you can post amazing things like we're having a cheerathon today and, you know, look at all these amazing people that participated or we have our game, our football game is tonight, making it more fun and engaging so that parents are feeling like they are part of it. Yeah. Because as you were saying, they do feel like they have to be hands off. Because their children don't want them to be. 
but deep down inside children want their parents to be involved right. so i think it's a good connection for that way some awesome ideas that schools have been doing is having like a block party so children that got so many points in the month or something they can go and have this huge and exciting party also having individual classes so if you are let's say you're in a large school and you have five different sections of a class whichever class had the highest point total for that month can get an ascent yeah really again just making it customizable for each school and whatever traditions you like to do or assemblies that you like to have, really making that a part of Class Dojo and just marriaging the two. Mm-hmm. And really reach out to your Class Dojo mentor. Yeah, Reach out. There is a Class Dojo teacher community page on Facebook that you can join. Okay, And you're able to get those ideas. You can just ask questions like, hey, what are some free incentives that I can do with my students so that they can click that redeem points and they're able to get their reward. And another thing for parents is that there is a parent component that you can actually carry over into the home. So you can have your child have their class dojo monster Mm -hmm. at home, and then you're able to have that availability for Johnny picked up his his socks that day. Awesome job. Or setting goals for the week, which you can also do with your students as well. Yeah. And that's called Class Dojo Plus. And it's a great way for parents and for teachers to have that buy-in from the student and from their child. And that way they're feeling like they're really making a difference both in their classroom, but also in their home as well. Some really smart stuff, and I greatly appreciate it. Um, I wish I had have listened to this episode a few years ago. Now, <laughs> it, it really would have helped me out for sure. So, I did not tell you this, but I have some curveballs for you. I call them curveball questions. They're just a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, here's my first question. Tell us about. Tell us the time that you don't mind telling us about. But tell us about the time that you got in the most trouble in school. And how did your parents find out or did they find out? And I'm trying to tie this into our class dojo to show how times have changed. Um, So, or did you ever get in trouble? (laughs) Oh, come on. We're all, we're all human and we're all young and naive. And yeah, I remember when I was in kindergarten, um, I was five years old and we had to take this quiz of counting by fives. And I did not know how to count by fives. Sure. And so I peeked at my neighbor's <laughs> paper mm-hmm. and wrote down exactly what she had mm-hmm. and wrote it down. And of course, I copied the wrong paper because her counting by fives was completely off. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just say that the teacher kind of knew that I was cheating. Yeah. And so I met, I had to go down to the teacher's office. Right, right. The teacher's lounge. They had to call my mom. I was <laughs> crying. I was so upset because I didn't know how to count by fives. And my mom's like, you watch Sesame Street. You should know how to count by fives. Um, and looking back, I, I wish I had class. Do- and I remember how to, I had to turn my card to red that day. I do remember that. And it stayed on red and everyone knew. Mm-hmm. Okay. JT was on red today because he cheated. (laughs) Um, But I really wish I had Class Dojo and PBIS back then because it could have been a simple conversation with my teacher, sat me down, talked Mm -hmm. to me, asked me like, you know, I I would have said I don't know how to count by fives. And then that's a way for her to be able to work with me and maybe a small group 
of refreshing how to count by fives. Yeah. But it kind of like exploded into this huge thing. And oh, yeah. my parents were not quite happy that night. So, <laughs> yeah. And they were probably more, I think that's like more embarrassing than anything getting a call from the school. And, you know, like you said, it was probably not that big of a deal. But sometimes we teachers, um, we just get caught up in the adrenaline, I think. All right. <laughs> Thanks for that story. Uh, my dad keeps my write-up slip from middle school. And he reminds me, he literally has my write-up slip. I know. Why did they keep that? It's like, in, it's in the drawer with all my accomplishments. Wow. My write-up slip is right there. <laughs> so, so my last curveball for you is we are coming up into a new year, 2022. Any new year's resolutions for the 2022? Oh, that's a very good question. I think just continuing to make a positive impact in students' lives. Yeah. This past year, it was hard starting the year off virtually and then transitioning to in-person learning and, Awful. you know, yeah. finally finally getting back to kind of normalcy. Yeah. But resolution in 2022 is just keep being there for students as best as I can and creating things for children where they feel like they are accepted and they feel included. That That is a New Year's resolution that puts mine to shame because that's, that's actually one that you can keep. <laughs> I can't ever keep mine because it's always something superficial like exercise every day or practice Spanish on Duolingo every day which I never do. Um, so, so thank you so much, JT. Like, you don't know how much I appreciate this. And I look forward to hearing people's feedback to this interview. And uh, I think you probably helped a lot of teachers today understand it better or expand how they're using it. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Wesley. And before we go, I know this was a lot of information. And so if you go to blog.classdojo.com, I actually wrote an article, which it has all of this information and much more. And it also has a choice board you can check out, some cool incentives. And it just goes in a little bit more details of each step of the process. So thank you so much, Wesley. This was fantastic. Yeah. So you gave us a little grab bag, a little party favor. I appreciate that. I was not expecting that. I hope people go check that out as well. Thanks, JT. Thank you. I know what you guys are thinking. Who produces that guy's podcast? I know, it's a really good job. Well, Janelle Wold is our producer, and you can find her at jwoldvirtual.com. Again, that's jwold, like world, without the R, jwoldvirtual.com. Thanks, Janelle, for making this a very professional-sounding podcast and doing such a wonderful job. We really do appreciate it. All right, everyone, this is the favorite part for me of this podcast because this is going to be the most interactive part. Listen, we have a new email address, teachthisteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Again, I know that's hard to remember, so I'll say it once more. Teachthisteacherpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and we want your emailed responses. We're going to pose a question each episode. We're going to give the answer on the next episode and shout out to folks that got it right without Googling. Don't go Google. Don't go cheat. Tell us what you know. And here's the question. Which event in American history made public education widespread in the South? So prior to this event, public education in the American South was not as widespread. Which event spurred public education in the American South? Give your answers to teachthisteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, 
We don't just want your answers for that. We also want your questions. You might have a question about something we said in this episode. You might have something that we said in a different episode or just a general education question or something you would like to hear an episode about. Email us teach this teacher podcast at gmail.com. Now for our tweet of the week. The tweet from a teacher, high school teacher, is this. It's a picture of the book by Sharon Draper, Out of My Mind. And here's what the tweet said. I really believe Out of My Mind is essential reading for all educators. I am rereading this prior to diving into the sequel. And then she asked, what other essentials are out there? Would love to hear what else I should be reading. So like many people responded, I didn't even know there was a sequel. I read this book years ago. And so if there is a sequel, I would definitely be interested in it as well. And the reason that I believe this teacher, Christy, said that this is essential reading for educators is because it talks about special needs and acceptance and how to teach that acceptance to our students, acceptance of people's differences and so on and so forth. So some of the responses that people said every educator should read is The Marrow Thieves or A Sitting in St. James. The name of the book is A Sitting in St. James or The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise. And that looks like a adolescent book, but it's called The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise. So if you are looking for some good reads, we just gave you a few. I have not read any of those except for Out of My Mind. But a lot of people are saying Draper is the go-to author. Someone else says Starfish is a book that she wrote that's really good for students and teachers. So the tweet that we sent out from our account of the week that I want to highlight simply says this, and I'm going to end the show on this note. Who knows what's coming for us in the next few days? What we do know is that teachers get stuff done. No matter what, teachers for the win. And that's all, folks. We'll see you next time here on the Teach This Teacher podcast. Well, I guess we won't see you, but you'll be here. Thanks, everyone. 